0: This is an ABC podcast.
1: Hello and welcome to The World Today. I'm Sally Sara. This Monday, Anthony Albanese sworn in as Prime Minister, but the battle for the Liberal Party's future begins. And while a lot went well for Labor on Saturday, it wasn't such a good night for Christina Keneally, losing the almost unlosable seat of Fowler.
2: If you look at the numbers... Christina Keneally had a 400 metre head start in a 1500 metre race and she wasn't able to complete the race or win the race.
1: First up today, Prime Minister Anthony Albanese. It's now official after the Labor leader was sworn in by the Governor-General in Canberra This morning, along with four senior members of his team, he's got no time to waste heading to Tokyo for talks with the leaders of the US, Japan and India. All this before reaching a majority of seats needed to actually form government, leaving the Greens and independents to lay down their demands for a more ambitious climate change target. Our political reporter, David Lipson, has the latest.
0: I present the Honourable Anthony Albanese to be sworn in to the office of Prime Minister.
3: From a public housing flat to the highest office in the land. With his partner and son watching on, Anthony Albanese takes the oath of office at Government House in Canberra to become Australia's 31st Prime Minister.
0: I, Anthony Norman Albanese, do solemnly and sincerely affirm and declare... I will well and truly serve the Commonwealth of Australia, her land and her people in the office of Prime Minister.
3: Richard Marles, close to tears, is the new Deputy Prime Minister and Minister for Employment, not Defence Minister, as speculated.
4: I, Penelope ying yen Wong.
3: And Senator Penny Wong becomes Australia's first foreign-born foreign minister. Jim Chalmers is the new treasurer, and Katie Gallagher takes on finance, attorney general and minister for women. And with that, an historic, transformational election result is sealed. Labor seizing government after almost a decade in opposition having secured less than a third of the primary vote.
0: It's uh, a big day in my
3: life. As he left his home in Sydney's inner west this morning, Anthony Albanese was projecting hope and unity.
0: I want to lead a government that has the same, same sentiment of optimism and hope that I think defines the Australian people. I want to be positive. I want to... Uh, channel the opportunity that we have to shape change so that we bring people with us on the journey of change.
3: But the make-up of his government remains unclear as counting continues in a handful of close seats. Labor's confident of reaching 76 seats, the number required for a majority government, but the crossbench may yet be needed to get across the line. And in his first news conference as Prime Minister, Anthony Albanese says he's already received the assurances necessary to form government.
0: I have received and and had discussions with the existing members of the crossbench and uh, received uh, confirmation uh, from Rebecca Sharkey, Bob Catter, Andrew Wilkie, Helen Haynes and Zali Stegall uh, that they would not support uh, any uh, no-confidence motions against the government and that uh, they would also, of course, secure supply.
3: The Greens are open to cooperation too. We want a cooperative approach. But leader Adam Bant wants something big. return. To meet net zero goals there can be no
2: new coal, oil or gas projects starting from now. Uh, Now that is the environmental and economic reality. Uh, That is something that we will be
3: pushing for in the next Parliament. He'll have the company of at least one additional Greens member from inner Brisbane possibly as many as three forming part of the biggest crossbench in Australian history the teal wave of independence cementing a New force in Australian politics with seven likely seats in the chamber and climate change at the centre of their push to exert newfound power. Here's Dr Monique Ryan, who unseated the Treasurer, Josh Frydenberg.
1: The Labor Party's 2030 target is manifestly inadequate. We're going to pull the government to the table and get it to advance
3: on its, its current stated position. But Labor is standing firm. The commitment taken to the election won't change. Here's Finance Minister Katie Gallagher.
0: Well, we've made it clear through the campaign and we're not changing that, that we will implement the policy we took to the Australian people uh, and that had a emissions reduction target of 43%.
3: That fights for another day, the priority now, foreign affairs. As instability grows in the Indo-Pacific, Prime Minister Albanese is heading to Tokyo with Foreign Minister Wong to meet with the Prime Ministers of Japan and India and the US President, Joe Biden.
0: The relationship with the United States is our most important, along with our relationships in the region and our multilateral commitments as well. So the meetings that we will have, not just with uh, the United States, but importantly with our hosts in Japan and India, uh, are going to be very important and a good way to send a message to the world... Uh, that there's a new government in Australia.
3: After his return, Labor caucus will meet next Tuesday to rubber stamp the full ministry. They'll be sworn in Wednesday week. Then begins the task of implementing Labor's agenda on climate change, childcare, aged care, an unemployment summit and enshrining an Indigenous voice to Parliament in the Constitution, all in the face of fierce economic headwinds.
5: Uh, how are you feeling? Are you ready?
3: I'm
0: ready. I've been getting ready for for some time.
3: That's the Prime Minister, Anthony
1: Albanese, ending that report from David Lipson. Well, for the Liberal Party, the soul-searching has begun. Seats long considered to be safe fell, many to independent professional women backed by community campaigns. Inaction on climate, integrity and female inclusion were some of the issues that turned the party's traditional voter base away. Now, as the party begins its discussions about a new leader, it's also trying to answer fundamental questions about who it represents
6: and what it stands for. Rachel Mealy reports. The once safe seat of Wentworth in Sydney's eastern suburbs is now part of a vast inner city political graveyard for the Liberal Party. The question being asked is why did so many once Liberal supporters desert the party? One person, Scott Morrison mainly, but also the move to the right. I think that was unfortunate and lack of moderates to stand up. And so he was a bad leader and the Liberals themselves, it's still frightening that they're so far right. Oh, they're
1: stupid. They've got a silly head and they only think of corporate business style things. And there's not they haven't treated women well.
6: Teal independent Allegra Spender has proven to be the perfect candidate to take the seat, her family has strong background in the Liberal Party. Further north, Kylie Tink won North Sydney and on the northern beaches, Sophie Scomps pulled off an even more unexpected win in McKellar. In Melbourne, it was Kuyong and Goldstein. In Perth, Curtin, where Kate Cheney, another teal candidate with a strong Liberal pedigree, overcame a margin once considered insurmountable. All these seats are very similar, affluent and once Liberal Party strongholds. John Hewson is a former leader of the Liberal Party and the former member for Wentworth. He says the Liberal Party has failed to read the tea leaves in traditional Liberal seats like his over many years.
7: And Those seats have got a very strong, I mean the, the traditional Liberal seats have, have always had a very strong um, supportive group on environment issues and they just ignored it and it, it actually was a feature in all those seats where the Independence pulled pull votes off them.
6: John Houston says climate policy figured heavily in the weekend's electoral losses for the party.
7: They ignored communities, as and business leaders, and oh, you know a lot of expertise on this issue. And we were clearly identified as a laggard that we had inadequate responses in terms of targets and policies. And uh, they just didn't want to believe that. And to let the National Party, who you know, who've got this. Fetish about coal mines and uh, coal fired power, even if we don't need them, (laughs) uh, to let them run the policy and pull to drag the party further and further to the right. You know, I've said in the past, I was waiting for them all to fall off the edge of the flat earth that they were operating on.
6: The Liberal Party's reckoning will need to address a number of issues, including fundamental questions like its partnership with the National Party, as well as its position on the political spectrum. Liberal Senator Erica Betts, whose own Senate seat in Tasmania looks to be in doubt, says the party needs to position itself further to the right.
0: My view is that if you move, and I think we did as a party, move too far to the left, then you can't scratch your head and ask why was it that the base left us.
6: But former Liberal leader John Hewson says a shift to the right would amount to political suicide.
7: Well, that's ridiculous. You'll never win an election as hardline right. It's just it's just a ridiculous position to hold. I don't see any evidence to support it.
6: New South Wales Treasurer Matt Keane sees it that way too.
7: We haven't lost
2: a single seat to a candidate or party to, on the right of uh, the Liberal Party. All the can- or seats we lost uh, were to candidates that were advocating for stronger action on climate change, uh, advocating for stronger positions uh, when it comes to supporting women's equality. Uh, candidates States that were arguing that to we introduce an integrity commission in the country.
6: He says women voted against the Liberal Party in droves and the party needs to stem the tide and win back women We need
2: to listen to the voices of women and then we need to sincerely respond to those concerns with real policies that will make a difference.
6: One woman who wants to be listened to is Bridget Archer, one of the only Liberal Party members of Parliament to buck the electoral trend. It's likely she'll retain the seat of Bass in Tasmania. She says she's prepared to play her part in making sure the Liberal Party moves back to the centre on issues such as climate change and integrity. So
2: I hope this provides an opportunity for the country and for the Liberal Party to reconnect um, to Australians and to um, the needs of our communities and put uh, those sort of ideological contests aside.
6: But if the Liberal Party does opt for a more moderate path, it won't be an easy one for it to travel. Already right-wing commentators say the future relies on a shift to the right and are backing Peter Dutton to move it there.
1: The Liberal Party
2: under Peter Dutton has the chance to be a true conservative mainstream party now that all the bedwetters have gone.
6: Peter Dutton remains the front runner for the leadership. Bridget Archer and Karen Andrews have indicated they'll put up their hands for the deputy leadership. Former leader John Hewson says the Liberal Party must take this chance to rebuild itself and regain its former stature.
7: Dutton clearly isn't the heir apparent. I mean, I keep saying Dutton's the answer, If people think Dutton's the answer, what the hell's the question?
1: That's former Liberal leader John Hewson there, ending that report from Rachel Mealy. Well, as we've heard, the Prime Minister has spoken with independent MP and Integrity Commission advocate Helen Haynes this morning. Mr Albanese is promising to establish a federal integrity body, a key election issue for many independent candidates. Helen Haynes is the independent member for Indi in rural Victoria. She won her second term on Saturday night.
4: Coming into this parliament, I have a strong uh, integrity commission bill. It was a bill that uh, has great consensus. That's a bill that's there, ready to go, and I'll be uh, I'll be working very, very hard to make that the core platform uh, for the Labor Party to fulfil their own promise on introducing an integrity commission within the first 100 days. In fact, I have spoken uh, to uh, the Prime Minister-elect this morning and uh, we talked about the the Federal Integrity Commission. So uh, I'm really looking forward to seeing that achieved uh, very, very soon when we return to Parliament. What
1: undertakings did the Prime Minister give to you on that issue?
4: The key undertaking the Prime Minister gave me this morning was that he has an ambition to uh, have a a very respectful relationship with the crossbench, a strong and collaborative, respectful uh, relationship with the crossbench, and integrity is at the core of that. I've met many times uh, with Mr Albanese in the last parliament, and uh, he knows uh, that the bill I've put to parliament is a a very, very robust one, supported by legal experts and uh, eminent retired judges around the nation. I've met many times with Mr Dreyfus around that. He's very, very familiar with my bill and I'm very optimistic. My Australian Federal Integrity Commission bill will, will be the, uh, the template really for, for getting the integrity commission that we need in this nation. And I won't settle for anything less than a very, very strong integrity commission that's fit for purpose and then we can have confidence again in our, in our federal government.
1: So the Prime Minister has given you a firm undertaking that this will be a priority?
4: Yes, indeed, this this integrity um, bill will be a priority. Uh, Mr Albanese and his Attorney-General have made those assurances, as of, of course, throughout the election campaign, and we spoke of that again this morning. What about the
1: fact that so many of these independent candidates who've got up are, are women? What, what do you make of that?
4: Look, I, I make of this we've had a parliament that doesn't reflect doesn't reflect the diversity of the nation and part of that diversity is equal representation of women of course we've got a long way to go in, in terms of broader reflection of diversity uh, but the fact that so many women are being elected to, to parliament as independents tells you that women are sick of big party politics too and uh, they see a third way. Now we saw that third way in, uh, in Dye almost 10 years ago and and, uh, we've maintained and grown that. I think we're at a point of uh, a fantastic point in Australian politics where we have a third way and that third way is strong community-backed independent representation.
1: There will be some of the new independents and their supporters uh, listening. What advice would you give them about how overwhelming it can, can be arriving in Canberra for the first time as a new independent MP? Well,
4: there's a couple of things I'd say. Arrive in Canberra, take a deep breath, and fully experience the great joy and the great privilege of taking a seat in the House of Representatives as an independent representing your electorate. That's a moment that not many Australians ever get. So firstly, take that moment and enjoy it, and then be yourself. Don't try to be anyone else. The people of your electorate voted for you. The community that got behind you to get you there because of the characteristics and values that you hold, uh, they saw themselves in you. Make sure that you keep checking in with your community. Make sure uh, that in all the busyness of being a Member of Parliament, that centre to everything you do is the people that you represent. And if you do that, you will be successful.
1: That's Helen Haynes, Independent Member for Indi. Labor's Christina Keneally's failed attempt to win the lower house seat of Fowler is one of the biggest upsets of the election. The former New South Wales Premier and Senator was beaten by popular local independent Di Lee, who says Labor's decision to parachute in Christina Keneally into the multicultural seat was arrogant and insulting to voters. Carly Williams reports.
5: There are many possible movie storylines out of this election, but if Hollywood was going to option only one, it would be the tale of Fowler, a seat in southwestern Sydney. Labour heavy hitter and former New South Wales Premier Christina Keneally versus Dai Li, a local Vietnamese Australian community activist. They're both immigrants, but with very different stories. I sat in my lounge room and um, just. You know, I was thinking back to the moment when I, my family escaped um, Communist Vietnam on a rickety boat in the ocean, didn't know whether we were going to live or die. Fowler is a seat with a large Vietnamese presence and was held by the Labor Party since its creation in 1984. Dai Li snatched a 16% swing against Labor, making her the first refugee in the House of Representatives. Labor chose Christina Keneally for the seat even though the outgoing MP Chris Hayes had supported another Vietnamese Australian candidate. Dai Lee says it was arrogance to parachute Christina Keneally into the seat and also an insult. A lot of voters were so angry, and a lot of Labor voters actually, were so angry with the fact that, that the Labor Party was arrogant enough to think that they can parachute somebody from the northern beaches, in particular from the northern beaches, to come and represent the Southwest, one of the most socially disadvantaged community. She's never lived through the challenges that we have lived through. Fowler's culturally diverse, working class and usually loyal Labor voters clearly rejected Christina Keneally on a political and personal level. Ms Keneally congratulated Daly on Twitter, but somebody in the Labor Party will have to answer the question, what were they thinking? Cos Samaris is director at Redbridge Group Australia. He says there's been a general decline of the Labor primary vote over several elections and Daly's win is a wake up call.
2: A warning. to to Labor that it needs to be very careful in how it decides to pre-select candidates for what was once safe Labor seats. Uh, If it's not careful, the electorate will uh, send them a message, as the electorate did with the Liberal Party in the seats. The same is going to occur in in safe labour seat.
5: Labour parachuted Andrew Charlton into the multicultural Western Sydney seat of Parramatta. It ruffled some feathers. Why did it work for him, though, and not Christina Keneally? Because he's won that seat.
2: That seat's actually been gentrifying for some time. That's one aspect of it. So there is a very significant gentrified pocket within Parramatta. Overlaid on top of that is a very significant Chinese-speaking population. And we do know that there is, in electorates where there, there were uh, high numbers of uh, Chinese Australians, there were very big swings to the Labor Party. And uh, I would say that that has been also a factor.
5: Jay Young-Lo is the founding director of the Centre for Asian Australian Leadership at the Australian National University. He says Dai Li was never included in the wave of high-profile independence that challenged the two major parties.
2: Uh, it was an absolute struggle for Dai Li. Uh She did not uh, benefit from uh, large donations or being bankrolled by uh, millionaires uh, behind the scenes or a part of a, a more of a national movement around um, – what the Teal Independents were experiencing. Dai pretty much, uh, to my understanding, remortgaged her house, um, uh, gathered donations from the local community.
5: Jay young Lowe says Di Lee's ability to overturn the national swing was the watershed moment in the election.
2: If you look at the numbers, Christina Keneally had a 400 metre head start in a 1500 metre race and she wasn't able to complete all the race or win the race for that matter. So it proves that no seats are safe. If I was the Labour Party, I would be doing a lot of not only reviewing, but also um, soul searching in terms of how they nurture the next generation of diverse candidates. But it's also proven that multicultural candidates and candidates of Asian Australian backgrounds proven to be electable. And if you don't invest in diversity, you don't get the return on investment. I think that's exactly what what happened with the Labour Party. And I would remember this watershed moment for a very long time.
1: That's Jay Young-Lowe, the founding director of the Centre for Asian-Australian Leadership at ANU, Carly Williams, with that report. Finally today, what are Labor's big economic priorities, especially given budget deficits and debt approaching a trillion dollars? I spoke a short time ago to our senior business correspondent, Peter Ryan.
8: The big one is inflation, now running at 5.1%, a huge burden for households and businesses. So how to get that under control? Jim Chalmers will be meeting with financial regulators as a first port of call as Treasurer, including the Reserve Bank, which is on track for a supersized interest rate rise in June in a bid to tame inflation. Expect more to come throughout the year. The other challenge is rolling out policies to nurture wages growth, which has been a in recent years. Another massive task is confronting budget deficits that extend well over the horizon. Now, they're coming down because of higher commodity prices, but getting them under control is critical to deliver on Labor's spending promises of almost $19 billion that will add to deficits over the horizon. The good news is that Anthony Albanese inherits an economy in very good shape, a 3.9% jobless rate and the outlook for good economic Economic growth, but of course, this is all being buffered by global forces beyond their control, including fallout from the war in Ukraine.
1: And Peter, we keep hearing a lot about government debt approaching a trillion dollars. Could that have any impact on Australia's triple A credit rating?
8: Well, uh, S&P Global Ratings, which is one of the big three global agencies, says the change in government has no effect on the prize AAA credit rating. S&P actually thinks the recovery uh, will be underpinned by those strong commodity prices I mentioned earlier. Also on the rising debt, which is approaching a $1 trillion, S&P says the debt levels don't represent a present risk to Australia's credit rating and that borrowing costs will remain manageable despite interest rates ticking up from record lows. S&P, though, says it will be keeping a close watch on whether Labor's spending policies will require any negotiation with minor parties and independents, but they think the new government uh, could well end up with a majority.
1: And Peter, what is business expecting from Labor after a long period of coalition government?
8: Well, not surprisingly, Sally, they'll be lining up to see evidence of Labour's professed pro-business policies and Mr Albanese's reputation as a consensus builder. But uh, there's going to be a few questions about industrial relations, as always, especially given Mr Albanese's uh, backing of the minimum wage increase to match 5.1% inflation. So finding common ground will be important given that major business groups want a lower minimum wage increase to insulate businesses from rising costs. Also, uh, a big one is what to do about labour shortages, the biggest shortages in almost 50 years, so business will be wanting to know when borders will fully start reopening so immigration can return. But Jim Chalmers has been saying while immigration is important, it's really no substitute for training up the local workforce.
1: That's our senior business correspondent, Peter Ryan. And that's it from the World Today team for this Monday. The PM team, they'll be along later today. Thanks for your company. Join us again same time tomorrow. I'm Sally Sarah. Take care.
5: Hi, I'm Sam Hawley, host of the ABC News Daily podcast. Anthony Albanese will be navigating a dramatically different parliamentary landscape when he's sworn in as Prime Minister, after Labour and the Coalition lost significant ground to a record number of independents and Greens. Today, ABC 730's chief political correspondent, Laura Tingle, on the delicate balance Anthony Albanese has ahead of him and whether he can succeed. Look for the ABC News Daily Podcast on the ABC Listen app.
0: You've been listening to an ABC podcast. Discover more great ABC podcasts, live radio and exclusives on the ABC Listen app.